0: Welcome. In episode 19, I'm talking with my colleague and friend, Darren Matthews, about perspectives on procurement and technology.
1: Welcome to Transforming Procurement Podcast with Lourdes Coss, the show dedicated to help procurement professionals in their transformation journey. Lourdes believes that procurement professionals have the potential to add great value by becoming the best version of themselves.
0: Hello friends. Today I'm going to be talking with Darren Matthews. Darren, welcome. I am so glad that you're here.
1: So glad to be joining you, Lourdes. Thanks.
0: So Darren is a good friend and a colleague in procurement. He has a wealth of experience. I, you know, I I I really am I'm tickled that you're here because you're You're kind of a a legend, you know, you've been a president of NIGP, and so I'm really grateful that you took the time to um, talk uh, with me and and the listeners. So let me, just for the benefit of the listeners, uh, tell them a little bit about you. Darren is an experienced procurement manager with a history of building powerful teams and leveraging leading technology. He's a longtime faculty member at several leading universities, teaching Courses on supply chain management and procurement best practices. Darren is a published author of several books, yay, and host of Evolution of Procurement Podcast. Excellent. You know, that that's so you're a, a fellow podcaster. Right. So, <laughs> so Darren has a bachelor's uh from Eastern Oregon University, two graduate degrees from American Graduate University, Master's in Acquisition Management and a Master's of Education in Structural Design and Technology. Darren is currently the Director at Negometrics for the San Francisco Bay Area, Program Chair for the uh, Procurement and Supply Chain Management Program at University of California Santa Cruz in the Silicon Valley exp- Expansion. And prior to that, Darren, you held several uh, procurement executive positions in the University of California, Santa Cruz, uh, Metro in Portland, Oregon, and Portland Public Schools. And I'm sure there's a long list more. So he's a former NIGP president, like I said, 2005, 2006. He was awarded the prestigious award, Albert H. Hall Memorial Award by NIGP. Darren is an author uh, of various uh, several books and, and and you're a regular on, on some publications so I'm just going to say that your latest book is Procurement Perspectives 30 years in the making and there's a long list that <laughs> it's uh, that that you've been uh, an active contributor to so many um, so many publications and And you've been so involved in procurement, adding value, and I'm sure that every class that you teach for NIGP, because you're an NIGP instructor also, people get a lot more than the class because they have your stories, your experience, and that's invaluable. So welcome, Darren.
1: It's good to be here, good to be here, and kind of hard to hear someone else talk about you and... And give your bio and your intro, but uh, I uh, I just kind of roll with it. I appreciate you mentioning my my experience both in Oregon and California in the university system. Boy, I'm, I'm just looking back at 30 plus years and wondering where the time went. <laughs> 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 it seems like yesterday I was the uh, the brand new uh, fleet buyer who uh, really didn't know anything.
0: Absolutely, it's 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 like that memory memory lane, right? <laughs> looking exactly, back exactly. at it. <laughs> Let's talk about your trajectory. How did you get here? Your experience in procurement, you're teaching at the university level, you're president of NIGP. What moves you to continue to add value to the field of procurement?
1: Well, Lourdes, I think I uh, found my niche and that's something that you love and care about. And that's me when it comes to procurement and supply chain management. I had a little bit of luck, maybe a lot of luck along the way, a lot of great mentors. But when I started, back in 1987 as a fleet buyer and inventory specialist. I really, I just wanted to get off the night shift. That's all I wanted. I didn't know what procurement was or that I wanted to be in it for so long, or that I would, you know, go on to lead an organization like NIGP, but it's been, it's been a good ride. But I I will say that as far as trajectory, one of the things that really helped me was aligning myself with uh, with NIGP and also um, the Oregon chapters of NIGP, both the Columbia chapter, and the statewide Oregon Public Purchasing Association. I got involved with them right away with my first buying job. And I I didn't realize, I remember I kept checking with the membership chair after I applied. I'm like, did I get in? Did I get in? <laughs> <laughs> and I did get in.
0: That's awesome. You and I both came up the ranks then. Cause I remember, yeah, I, I think it was 19, well, maybe a little later, 1988 that I, Started with a, a procurement position, so ooh wow, we're dating ourselves back.
1: I know, <laughs> I know. I think back now, and um, even looking at some uh, pictures I have, because when I started off as a fleet buyer, you actually got to wear the uniform, like the mechanics and the maintenance staff. So I had oh wow, I had the, it's like they used to wear it at a service station. They really don't do that anymore. But I had a, a blue pinstripe short sleeve shirt with my name over my pocket. I, I loved it. <laughs> got down on my laundry quite a bit. But I look back at pictures uh, there, and of course, uh, skinny kid didn't know a lot, um, had long hair, you know, all things that have changed. So uh, my kids look at those pictures and they get a kick out of them. Um, I, I guess I do too. But, but you know, me getting into procurement by accident, Lordis, or just you know wanted to get uh, on the day shift or learn a, a few skills, uh, really kind of. So procurement picked me. I found a niche, but I really got I really got lucky. And, uh, and I appreciate that. But I, I see younger people today that are making a choice to go to college, to go to uh, University of California, Portland State University, get a degree in procurement and supply chain, be mindful about their career choices. Uh, you know, While I'm proud of my accomplishments and the places that I've worked, the teams that I've built, I really, a lot of times I just kind of bungled my way through, especially early on in my career. And uh, it's really refreshing to see where we're at today in 2021 with procurement, you know, we both know we've we've seen people on our own teams that go on to do great things. They're, you know, like I said, they've got their degree, they're pursuing certification, um, even if their degree is in another field. And I think that the future is extremely bright for them and for the profession. So in a way, Lourdes, I don't want to go back in time, but if, if I were a young man again and going into uh, a field, I would pick procurement.
0: That's awesome and I think I agree with you because I started down the path of financial analysis. that's how I started in procurement and and uh, once I started doing some procurement work it's like oh this is this is fun it, it it's does. there's no two days that are the same and and so it keeps you interested so I can see I can see that uh, now tell us a little bit about. How did you become interested in becoming the president of NIGP, the NIGP board at that time?
1: Uh, the opportunity for leadership came first for me, Lourdes, at the state level. You know, I went through, you know, the board and I was president of the Oregon Public Purchasing Association, the NIGP chapter in Oregon. And then you kind of look to the next level, and then I had mentors. Um, you know, at the national level, uh, you know, Rick Graham, longtime friend and the chief executive of NIGP, encouraging me. And I'm like, I'm this, (laughs) I'm this dumb kid from Oregon, you know, from the wrong side of town. How could I be on the board or be president of NIGP? But you get, um, you know, you build your confidence. You have, when others have faith in you and encourage you. And I think that's all part of, of mentorship that I've really been I'm blessed with over the years and to get on the national board and uh the leaders before me you look at them and say wow am i really on that list i enjoyed my time at nigp i was one of the younger presidents i just kind of started earlier and then and then I, before i knew it i was a has-been in my late 40s <laughs> with NIGP, <an> <laughs> i still feel that way a little bit but uh, my favorite time uh, lourdes is when Back when we had conferences <laughs> at the na- uh, the annual forum the, the national conference for nigp there's a president's breakfast and the, all the current and past presidents get together and have breakfast and it's kind of like for me it's like going to the moose lodge or a, oh, a fraternity okay. organization the people with much more experience than i do the great stories the camaraderie uh, that's really worth that really made it worth it to me um i also get to travel a lot um, visit a lot of chapters here in the U.S. You know, travel in other parts of the world, but uh, I think that has to be the most rewarding part of being an IGP president is hanging out in the old president's club.
0: <laughs> that that must be must be nice. <laughs> and then you stay, you, you get to stay in touch with with the profession, with the people, with the and, and the new up and coming uh, leaders.
1: Yeah, um, so. and I see that across the board. I see it. You know, most recently I traveled to Boise a couple of times to teach for NIGP, but the Idaho Public Purchasing Association, great leaders, uh, many of them under 30, they're going to be doing good things for a long time. And you, you, you stay in touch, you see um, what's going on now, what, how they're thinking, how they approach procurement, um, how they approach management. How they approach you know technology implementation because if you look at anyone under thirty, they really bring the A game when it comes to technology, and that is who is going to be in place for years to come. That's why you know even working for um, a technology company now with Negometrics, uh, we work with of course uh, organizations of all types and sizes and colleagues you know across the U.S. across the world really, but when you see that under thirty crowd. It's really pretty amazing. It's just like second nature. nature. Uh, they're what I would call a digital native. They've always had internet, smartphone, high tech. There's an app for everything. Um, in fact, if I need something, I contact my son who's still in his twenties. He, ha- he goes, oh, there's an app for everything. I'll find it for you, dad. And that's <laughs> what they bring. And that's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think th- I'm gonna sit back and watch for the next 10 to 20 years, Lourdes, and I bet I'm gonna be amazed
0: that's that's amazing. And you know, you touch a lot of a lot of people and and so now you you mentioned the the topic of technology, and I know that you're more engaged with technology right now. What do you think about? there are some people that that are really grew up with technology and others that are a little bit more hesitant to uh, embrace technology. Talk a little bit about, what you see, what what your perspective is on that.
1: Sure. I've always kind of been um, very receptive to technology. I've had really good tech people, and I'm not necessarily a high tech person, but I've worked with a lot of uh, ERPs, digital procurement systems, you know, our, our current platform um, and others here in the US. So there's more technology available now for procurement and supply chain professionals than ever. Uh, we know that technology is advancing. Faster than ever, according to groups like the Institute for Supply Management. You read publications by NIGP. Um, we see this, and that's that's definitely where our future is in procurement. There is uh, the, the human element, though, and we need to find that balance. And I think the balance is different for all of us. You know, you and I have talked over the years, Lourdes, about kind of a hybrid approach. Mm-hmm. How much? Technology is implemented in a procurement office versus maybe some manual processes or people processes, um, which is, uh, is digital, where the opportunities to make things even um, more digitized? Some are more ready than others. So I do think the younger generation that we work with are very much ready and ready to implement. Um, others, I think again, human nature is, it's tough to be changed without a doubt. We uh, implemented a digital procurement system when I was at Portland State University, and with all the schools and programs there, a centralized procurement—I would say quasi-centralized—but you know, leading the charge. And I had an assistant director at the time, um, Karen, who took on the, the project. And what we did was we kind of handpicked our customers and said, "Hey, these three schools—I don't remember which ones they were—but." these are kind of the toughest customers and probably the most resistant to change, including a digital procurement platform. And we demonstrated the value. We did training, we did outreach, we did handholding and it was very much a success. And that system is still in place today. So that strategy, which I wish I could take credit for, that was actually Karen. She said, we're going to go after the, the tough ones. And then every, everything else will fall into place yes. and, it didn't, and it worked well. But yeah, I think there's um, uh, there was one, magic approach, if you will. Oh, hey, this is a solution for every agency, for everybody to implement technology. If that's out there, I haven't seen it. Um, Obviously, I think we have a a good procurement platform, but we work with a great group of customers and some want to implement technology and digital procurement in one week, sometimes even one day. Others want to take, you know, several months and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah, well, i like a, a good combination, uh, whatever we can automate, I think it should be automated because there is so much where we can focus our brain power on that, you know, solving new problems, being more innovative. And so those repetitive tasks can can be all automated. I'm, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. Actually, I, I like that. Because that it helps expand the, the the staffing that you have.
1: It does, Lawrence, and I like it as well. When you automate the routine functions in procurement and supply chain, what's left over is the high level thinking, strategic procurement, uh, the collaboration, the innovation, the, the complex RFPs, and the and the you know strategic negotiations with key suppliers. That's the fun part of procurement and supply chain. Absolutely. So the the routine things, um, yeah, I, I could easily. Automate those. A lot of my supply chain students at the University of California, they say, "Hey, is uh, they're you know they're pursuing maybe the certificate program that we offer in the Silicon Valley." And they say, "It looks like all this automation with procurement and robotic equipment and the retrieve automated retrieval systems, for example, for um, warehouse and distribution centers. Absolutely, that technology is there, and it's going to continue to be there. But it really leaves." the uh, supply chain professional to do the thinking part of supply chain, to do um, inventory forecasting, supplier uh, relationship management, um, innovate processes and implement technology that really the fun stuff. So it's the higher level work uh, that's not being automated and I don't think it will be in the future. That's why I still tell my, you know, again, my students, I said, no, this is a great career field, tons of opportunity, including there in in the Bay Area in California or San Francisco Bay Area, I should say and uh, tons of opportunities. So folks go through our program, they land in all types of industries and they're at the thinking level of procurement.
0: And that's, that's what we want because we've been talking about getting that seat at the table. That's how we get the seat at the table. Forget those mind numbing activities that, you know, they're just repetitive. Uh, anyone can do them. Let's focus on the things where we can add value that we can make a difference, that we can be a thinking partner with the rest of the organizations at the cabinet level. And we can be part of that planning process as opposed to being the back office, just pushing paper.
1: Yeah, I've been there and I'll take, uh, I want that seat at the table, absolutely.
0: You know that most of my career was uh, leading transformations and I always made a push for technology if you look at uh, organizations that are not doing as well and that or that could be doing better when you look at the breakout of what's what are they what are what is staff dedicating their time to it's usually the low value which is you see them working 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 very hard all day long but not much is coming out because they're focusing on the low value Value low return activities, and so this is an analysis that I, I learned to do early on when I got to an agency because I saw everyone working, but not much was happening, and so it, generally they were dedicating eighty percent of their time to less than twenty percent of the spend. Mm-hmm. This is like you know this is an opportunity for automation. So, uh, so I, I, I am a, a big proponent of, of um, having technology to aid in those uh, routine tasks so that we can really do the interesting part, which is the thinking part of, you know, and the creative part that, that it's needed in procurement, so.
1: No, I've seen that uh, actually across the world, Lourdes, you know, prior to my uh, faculty role with the University of California, uh, chief of procurement for the Santa Cruz campus for a lot of years and part of a collaborative system that really leveraged technology. Mm-hmm. And what you just described is really kind of the, I, I call it the UC think. They're like, hey, we're not pencil pushers or paper pushers. We're strategic professionals. And that's what we're going to focus on to add value, the high dollar spend. You mentioned the 80-20, the Pareto principle. Mm-hmm. It's really the the small small amount of those 20% of your contracts or your purchases are really gonna account for 80% of your spend. So focus your time there. This other, and that's why all of the campuses are on a, you know, a shared e-procurement platform, sourcing, contract management, uh, upstream and downstream. It was really, for the four years I was doing that, it really, in my mind, kind of helped me take technology to the next levels. And hopefully I can share that, share that with others. Most recently, the last couple of years, I've been involved with Negometrics, visiting um, my colleagues in Europe and in the Netherlands. And what they're doing there with technology uh, really puts them somewhat ahead, I think, of our US colleagues, which not a, not a criticism by any means of the US, because I love US procurement. But if you look at uh, players in the European Union, they're all digital in procurement. Mm-hmm. There is no paper. And uh, I just think it's a great opportunity and a great model So, uh, yeah, so that's why I'm always excited to work with uh, with our colleagues here.
0: That's that's awesome. It's uh, great to see also from, you know, what people are doing somewhere else, because we we can all learn from each other. One thing that I wanted to say is that it is that interesting part of the work that is going to attract new blood, new professionals and get people interested in the procurement profession. Because who wants to graduate from college and come and just push paper? Right, right. <laughs> Certainly not me. <laughs> yeah.
1: no, I love mm. the, um, there's so many interesting uh, facets mm. and opportunities when it, you look at procurement. You know, early on, of course, I just, I was a fleet buyer, so I did parts replenishment, ordered, you know, oil filters and fan belts, and that's, that's all fine, but I'm really glad that Uh, It's evolved because we can partner with suppliers to provide those to us at same day delivery under a contract that I negotiated. So I don't necessarily have to order those oil filters, but you can work on things like uh, sustainable procurement, smaller minority business program development, such opportunities out there. I would rather spend my time and energy on than uh, than the routine tasks.
0: I was reading this book on success principles and one of one of the keys to success is focusing your time on the things that that no one else can do or nothing you know or technology can't take care of so that you are working on your strength you constantly develop and you continue to get better at it that's another opportunity there to think about automating those tasks that are routine and Really, we don't add that much value to it. Agreed. So, Agreed. so let's shift gears for a minute here and talk about um, what are you working on these days? You know, you have a book out, or working on another book, or are you know? Am I going to spill the beans here? If I.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't think uh, there's anything confidential out there. If there is, Lourdes, I guess I'll hear from uh, our publisher, uh, but. I always, um, you know, I guess I I consider myself uh, maybe a little bit semi-retired. I don't think I'll ever retire altogether, even after 30 years in uh, the procurement ranks. I try to stay busy. Um, You know, I have a, uh, you know, part-time consultative role and training and content development role with uh, Negometrics, software company. Uh, I still teach at the University of California, uh, supply chain and procurement, and also for NIGP. And then the other piece I love to write, and I uh, you know, have have uh, several books that I've uh, had the opportunity to publish over the years. According to my kids, none of them are very exciting. And uh, <laughs> they, their noted criticism is that they don't have enough pictures. So uh, <laughs> I said, well, it's a procurement supply chain book. It's not really a picture type of book, but um, I'm working on a couple of things now that I'm really excited about. One is a partnership with an IGP and uh, their publisher on an update of a 2007 book on transportation and logistics management, an area of, of passion for me. And I'm working with uh, Dr. Linda Stanley from Arizona State University. We've uh, co-authored a few books and she's just a great writing partner, brings a lot of clout from Arizona State University, one of the best supply chain programs in the country and a awesome. you know, great person to work with. So we're uh, working on that. And then I'm also... Uh, A longtime friend and colleague, Dr. Cliff McHugh from Florida Atlantic University. In fact, I used to work with, work for Cliff, teaching for FAU in a book book project that we're working on, kind of a fun, lighthearted look at procurement. So that's very early in our discussion and development, but I'm really excited about the topic, having fun with procurement, (laughs) and also to work with uh, Dr. McHugh. So that's uh, uh, really what I'm up to.
0: That's awesome. That it sounds like a lot of uh, great projects. But do you th- consider yourself semi-retired? I don't. I, I don't see how.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Well, my uh, I can tell you that my partner Dana works a lot, a lot harder and a lot more than I do. So maybe that's why I consider myself retired. I do like uh, to take a walk uh, many days. I'll Take a nap in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> well, that that's. <laughs> I guess that that qualifies as semi-retired because okay, yeah. <laughs> you and I are sort of semi-retired, but and my daughter tells me, oh, mommy, you're just like, it's kind of hard to keep track of you now. So so I guess I started my second career. So that's what I tell her.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think staying so busy in procurement, Lordus it keeps you and I young and hard.
0: So absolutely. And we both want to stay young, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, I know that you're, um, you mentioned mentorship. I know that you're a big uh, proponent of uh, having a mentor. Um, Talk a little bit about the importance of mentorship and, or to be mentored or, or or actually mentor someone.
1: So, Laura, I believe mentorship is critical for procurement in all sectors, definitely, and definitely the public sector. I've been the recipient of mentorship over the years had some great mentors both at the board level with nigp with my own organization even back when i started in public service and public works department at the city of eugene mentors that would help me develop and become um, the professional that uh, they, th- they felt i could be and i didn't uh, have confidence in myself at that time and you you need that confidence you need that support and you need to be provided opportunities and so But at at some point, it's time to um, return the favor, if you will, and become that mentor yourself and give back to the profession and support those that work for you and your team. You noted in my bio that I've had a history of building um, powerful procurement teams, and I'm very, very proud of of that over the years. I've had exceptional staff members that I've recruited, that I've inherited, that I've sought out, and that have worked for me. And they've went on to do some great things. Um, there can't, there's nothing more rewarding, I would say, uh, definitely in my career. And I know that they're not our children, but just like my own children or, or uh, the kids that Dana and I have, we're very proud of them as, as successful young people. And that's how I look at my staff that has uh, advanced over the years. I have, um, in fact, two of my students at Florida Atlantic University went on to earn their PhD and now they're full professors, Dr. Adam Williams at the University of Illinois Springfield mm-hmm. and Dr. Alexandru Roman at Cal State San Bernardino. And it's ironic, Lord, it's because I went back to work. Here, There's former students that pass me up, which I'm thrilled with, and I go back to work <laughs> part time for them teaching. They say, they say, uh, Darren, we can't pay you much. And I'm like, yeah, I know what uh, faculty makes. I know I'm not doing it for the money, but uh, that's just so rewarding. So I encourage, uh, you know, there's, there's formal mentorship programs, NIGP, ISM, local chapters. Uh, I would just encourage your listeners to engage in those, take advantage of those if you're new to the profession. And if, the more experienced you are, it's time to share that with others and support others in their success. Because they will replace us, they will pass us up, and uh, that's okay.
0: That's that's wonderful, and it, and I know that it's very fulfilling to see someone that that you mentor just move up and and just crush it, just uh, be the rock star that they that they can be, right?
1: Yeah, that's a good term, crush it. We actually use that a lot on the Negometrics team. We have a a younger team. I'm one of the senior statesmen. In fact, (laughs) I get referred to as the godfather sometimes, but that's okay. But a a team under 30, they do crush it and they do bring the A game with technology. And if I can serve in some small role to help mentor them and help them be successful, then then I've done my job.
0: That's wonderful. That's great to hear. So I'm getting ready to kind of wrap it up. I want to know, you've come up the ranks, you've seen almost everything related to procurement. You know a lot of people have been everywhere. What would you advise your younger self? If you could go back in time and give yourself advice, what would you advise yourself?
1: Well, I'm thinking back, Lord. I said my uh, 24-year-old self when I got, first got into procurement and started being serious about a professional career. I think the first thing would probably be the hair, the mullet. was not a good look. And so I would tell myself, "Hey, cut that thing." But anyway, um, <laughs> I wish I was. I would have. I would be more mindful and purposeful about my education. I bounced around a lot. Took. I didn't get my undergraduate degree until I was 36. And I'm proud that I went back and, and have done that. And there's a lot of good adult degree programs. And I'm a big advocate for those. But I wish I would have taken school more serious uh, when I was younger and had the opportunity and didn't wait till I had kids and mortgages and car payments. It makes it a lot. I made it harder on myself than I needed to. On the educational front, I, I, and I tell my students this, in fact, I've shared this in my column that I write for Government Procurement Magazine, is that um, I first went to Bible school or seminary um, when I was first out of college. Uh, high school. And I went there to, to play uh, play on the basketball team. So I really, really didn't go there for the right reason. And I didn't follow the rules very well. And therefore, I was asked to leave. So that's kind of a crummy way to start your educational career. And then I bounced around a lot, uh, moved around a lot, just didn't take things very seriously. And I didn't listen to my, my parents who were really, um, they were looking out for me, and they would give me good advice. And I kind of one ear and out the other. So now, I hope that my my children will listen to me, but that's, there's no guarantee there, and that they will take things like education more serious than I did. So I, I think that's probably uh, probably what I would tell my young self.
0: Well, that's uh, that's great advice. So, um, well, uh, Darren, I am so happy that that you were able to spend um, you know a few minutes with me and talking about your career and your advice to our listeners and. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for being here and for doing what you do and for basically paving the way for, for many of us. So so thank you. Thank yeah. you.
1: You're, you're welcome, Lourdes. And I want to thank you for the opportunity. So it's great to talk with you as always.
0: Well, this was a great conversation with Darren Matthews on perspectives on procurement and technology. The future looks bright for procurement. So thank you, Darren, for all that you do, for mentoring other people and sharing your knowledge. I know that you add value to many, many procurement professionals. Well, okay, friends, that's all I have for today. Don't forget to visit my website, www.lordiscost.com, for programs on leadership. I have a link for upcoming webinars and events. I'll put a link on the notes section of the podcast if you'd like to subscribe to my leadership newsletter. If your chapter has not yet subscribed to the 2021 webinar program, you can still participate. Links to the webinars are on my website on the events page. You'll find a link there. Finally, I'm taking part in Change Your World Movement, initiated by Dr. John C. Maxwell by leading a transformation table. My current table is full, but reach out to me if you're interested. I'm considering starting another one. So remember that together we can make a difference. Okay, friends, thank you for listening. Join me next time for more on the transformation journey. Until then, be well, my friend. Until next time, add value grow and transform.